When Carly was eight, she lost a few of her baby teeth. But the tooth fairy didn't pay her. So Carly wrote a letter. Dear tooth fairy, hey moron, you owe me money for the past three times. I wrote you letters, but no money. Now, I'm giving you a chance here. There better be at least $5 under my pillow, or I will call the mafia. (laughs) That's Carly reading a letter she wrote to the Tooth Fairy. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Hello, it's nice to see you. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Park Theatre in Winnipeg, we have a proposal for the Prime Minister, confusion at the school dance, and a trio of mutant beavers. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and by looking back at who we used to be, this stuff can help us figure out who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. When our next reader, Ariel, was 12, she kept a journal for language arts class. And at our Winnipeg show, she read a few entries that cover some of the most important things when you're 12. Clothes, school dances, and young love. Live on stage, here's Ariel. February 6. Duncan's my friend. I felt kinda popular in science. I'm glad I bought my clothes. I really like them. The jeans are almost like a second skin. (laughs) February 7. Today is the dance. I'm definitely going to ask Duncan. In July, I'll have liked him for two years. A long time, eh? Duncan's a good friend. Nothing else. Yet. (laughs) February 11. Finally, I get to talk about the dance Friday. When I got there, I was really cold. Then I noticed I was the only one wearing a mini dress. I was embarrassed, so I wore my white top over the dress, but then they played a fast number. So I threw it off and started dancing. After the dance, I was walking around. Duncan came around and said, hey, you look cool, in a funny voice. He then put his hand on my shoulder and said, you look good like that. And when he said I looked cool, I was gonna say something mean, but he left me feeling surprised. (laughs) After a few slow dances, he still hadn't asked me, so I went over and asked him. He said yes. As we danced, my first time, we talked. I said that Lorianne liked him and wanted to dance with him. He said he was too shy to ask anybody. I said, I know, that's why everybody asks you. So it was in the middle of the song, and he said with a straight face, do you want me to go ask Lorianne? I said, yes. (laughs) So he danced with Lorianne. Lorianne wanted to talk to me. She said, did you ask him to dance with me? I said, yes. I danced with him a second time. Christine was running her hands, her fingers through her hair and staring at me. 
please, she mouthed, let me dance with him. I let her. There was a lull in the music and Duncan let go and Christine started crying. Everybody was confused. But I got it out of her. She thought Duncan didn't want to dance with her. Duncan spent around $3 on food. <laughs> February 13. Duncan is sick. I had a valentine for him. There was a chip sale today. I didn't have any money, but I got chips off of other people. Everybody was crazy. I hugged with girls today. It feels really weird. I hugged with Marie, Alex, and Denise, and Wendy. I got hurt a lot today. I gave out Valentines to Lynn, Suzanne, Jaylene, and Carrie. February 27. Today, I'm depressed. I, I wonder. I wonder if. I wonder if I'll. I wonder if I'll get a. I wonder if I'll get a boyfriend. I wonder if I'll get a boyfriend ever. <laughs> Thank you. Our next reader, Addie, is going to read a journal entry written when she was 14 years old, and she says this is the beginning of her starting to understand that other people had a lot more problems with her weight than she ever did. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Addie. Val called me fat today. She's such a bitch. We were sitting in science when she turned around and asked if I had a pencil. I told her I only had one. That's when she said, whatever, you're fat. She is such a bitch. I told Melanie about it after class. She said she's such a bitch too. Whatever, it's like she's a foot taller than me anyways. She's like one of those Amazon women on Xena Warrior Princess. Best show ever. I didn't talk to her the rest of the day. I didn't even sit near her on the bus. She told Claire that I was being a baby and that I had ugly legs. That really hurt my feelings, like a lot. She's such a bitch. <laughs> when I got home today, mom was already home. She asked how my day was. I told her I had a sucky day and that I hate Val and think she's a total bitch. <laughs> because she is. I told her everything Val said. Mom said sometimes people say mean things because they are insecure. She said I had nice leggies and gave me a hug. Why can't mom be this nice all the time? <laughs> uh, the moral of the story, Val is a bitch. 
When Jonathan was in grade five, he wrote a short story called Mission Almost Impossible. And even though the title makes it sound like it's all about spies, Mission Almost Impossible is actually a fantasy adventure story, which Jonathan fully admits borrows heavily from the Lord of the Rings. Live on stage in Winnipeg, here's Jonathan. It all started a week ago. I was playing catch with my friend Charlie. We'd been playing for about an hour when he called, Hey, Sean, go long. I was running as fast as I could, but he threw the football too far. It landed in a heap of trash. Charlie and I started looking for it. There goes 30 bucks down the drain, Charlie called. (laughs) Then I stumbled across something. It looked like some kind of scepter. (laughs) It was in perfect condition. (laughs) But I wondered why anyone would throw it out. I noticed that there were some hieroglyphics on the scepter. (laughs) Suddenly, this thing that looked like a ghost, only a lot bigger, appeared. It looked like some kind of griffin. Why did you awaken me? The griffin called. My name is Vorten. And and since you have awakened me, I will be transporting you to your own to save King Caspian's kingdom from the evil King Mortor. I, Vorten the griffin, Thor the phoenix, and Jewel the unicorn will be helping you on your journey. It will be a very long and dangerous trip. There will be dragons and other horrible monsters to battle on your way. Do we have to go? I asked. (laughs) Only if you want to, he answered. (laughs) Then there was a flash of light and everything went blank. I think we are being transported now, I told Charlie. Probably, he answered back. We were there. We had stopped moving. Finally, things were starting to come into focus. It looked like we were right in the middle of a forest. Gradually, a unicorn and a phoenix came into view. (laughs) Are you okay? The unicorn asked us. I'm okay, Charlie answered. Me too, I called. (laughs) The unicorn jewel was so beautiful. Her mane was silky, and her horn was perfectly shaped. No chips or scratches. She is my favorite. The Phoenix Thor, on the other hand, looked like he had been in a lot of battles. He always meant well, but looked and acted fierce. Okay. Vorton the Griffin was not very well groomed and did not show his feelings very often. And so the journey began. The first few hours went by very quickly. But when the sky started to darken, it seemed to take forever. Suddenly at 12.01 a.m., I was wearing my watch, by the way, (laughs) we noticed a flash of light behind some trees. We saw a huge dark figure lurching towards us. We all froze, wondering what to do. It turned out to be a dragon. What are we going to do, asked Charlie. I have no idea, Thor answered. Soon the dragon was only 50 feet away from us. He had spotted us. We noticed a cave in the distance and made a run for it. And this is where I am now, hiding, hoping the dragon won't find us. We are very deep in the cave and very tense. Hey, what's that? It looks like two dwarves, I whispered to myself. (laughs) They are talking to Vorton. Now the dwarves are leading us to a cavern. There is a fire roaring inside of the cavern. 
oh, just to let you know, if we die or get killed, all our belongings get transported back to Earth. Oh no, they pushed us into the fire. Wow, what an adventure, the man exclaimed who had just found and read the diary. That ended with a wonderful twist on the classic, it was all a dream. (laughs) Beautiful and unexpected. Thanks, Jonathan. A lot of what people share on our stage gets a laugh, but sometimes this stuff is difficult to read, Sometimes it's bittersweet, and sometimes it is downright heartbreaking. Our next reader, Kim, did not have a good high school experience. She described her school as miserable and soul-destroying, not just for the students, but for the teachers as well. And Kim told me that when she was in grade 10 or 11, her English teacher had a nervous breakdown. So the class had a substitute teacher. This is an assignment from that class. The substitute teacher noted at the bottom, he said, very moving, well-written, and hang on to this. I did. It's the only thing that I kept from high school. How Jason flew away and changed the course of history. I woke up like any other day and walked to school. Nothing seemed to have changed from yesterday or any other yesterday. I still tried to grab the thoughts flying in front of me and hope that today I might catch one. As I walked down the hall to history class, I remembered that today I had a test. All the days seemed to float together, so I had forgotten. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered anymore. I sat down to write the test and discovered that I forgot my pen. I'm always forgetting things. I hadn't spoken to anyone since I left home, and it was hours before I could summon the courage locked away inside me to ask my teacher for a pen. I walk back to my desk, and I feel better now because there's no one left in the room. I'm so glad that I forgot to write down any answers. No one notices, of course, because I've carefully learned to act on the outside. It's easier on everybody. Some of my thoughts come flying by, and I catch one. I'm so happy. Now I must time it right. I wish I could fly. I've always wanted to. When I had friends, they used to think I was crazy to want to fly. I remember I tried once, too. I ended up half dead, and after that, I didn't have any friends. Well, that doesn't matter, especially now. Now I know I can fly. Boy, will they be surprised. I could just see their faces. I'll show them I can do something. They never let me before. They've always tried to stop me, never did anything right according to them. Well, they'll see now. My mother will be so proud. My son, she'll say, he flew all by himself. She'll be so happy that I finally did something she could be proud of. My father would have been happy, but he's dead. 
I guess dead people can't be happy. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. At least this room has a window. All the other ones have those kinds with blinds in between, or they are so small that a bird couldn't fly through it. This one is nice and big, so I'll fit just fine. I guess I'm about ready now. I'm so excited. I've waited for this for so long. Nothing will stop me. Not like last time. I'll just fly right out the window and away from here. I sort of wish that there was someone here to watch it. It would be nice, sort of, but then they just ruin it. People always do. Well, here goes. At least no one stopped me. Hey, I did it. I did it. Everybody look at me. I'm flying. People are so strange. They'd rather look at something ugly and broken and bloody than at something beautiful and free. I feel so happy, finally. One more time for Kim. Jen was seven, she came up with a great idea. It was such a great idea that she decided to go straight to the top with it. So she sat down and wrote a letter to the prime minister. She wrote a letter to Brian Mulrooney. She's going to read that now. So um, I'm a bit confused as to why I even have this letter today, because my parents were supposed to mail it to Brian Mulrooney. (laughs) Dear Mr. Mulrooney, I don't think it is fair that there is a Mother's Day and a Father's Day and there is no Children's Day. I asked my mom and dad, how come there is no Children's Day? And they said, every day is Children's Day. But I said, every day is not Children's Day because you don't give me presents and cards every day. One day, I told my grandma, she said I should write to you, so I wrote this note from Jennifer Robinson. P.S. I made up a date for Children's Day, July 10th. I'm pretty sure I know why your parents didn't mail that. (laughs) Jen's parents trying to keep the kids down. (laughs) Joining us on stage right now, Connie is going to read some letters written from camp to her parents while she was away for one week. The year was 1968, and she was 11 years old. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Three Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Connie. Monday, no, crossed out, Saturday. (laughs) Dear Mom and Dad, I'm having a pretty good time here. The girls are pretty nice here, although there are a few sickening ones. (laughs) 
the name of our cabin is Harding, and our cabin counselor is called Old Yeller. <laughs> She's nice, but can't handle some of the kids. I'll write to you tomorrow, Sunday. It is 12.05 in the morning, crossed out afternoon, <clears throat> and I'm ready to go to breakfast and then on to church. I just got back from church. It is called the Outdoor Chapel. I had my first wine in church today. I'm having a really great time now. <laughs> This is the camp's cheer. Chahi, chaha, chaha, chahi. We are the gang from the ASC. For our camp, we all are fans. We'll tell the world we're the Anglicans. <laughs> A-N-G-L-I-C-A-N-S. Haru, hurrah, hooray! If you are a longtime listener of Grown Ups Rethinks They Wrote As Kids, you may remember an episode from a few years ago recorded in Winnipeg featuring the Boomerang Beavers. And if you don't already know, the Boomerang Beavers are a group of comic book superheroes created by our next reader, Kai, when he was a kid in the 1980s. And at our most recent Winnipeg show, Kai brought the Beavers back. This is a comic strip that originally appeared in December of 1986 in the Celtic Times. That is a junior high school newspaper. This is the very first appearance of the Boomerang Beavers. Please welcome its creator, Kai. Please welcome the Boomerang Beavers. Three human-sized mutant beavers carrying weapons such as swords and nunchucks. Their names are Dale, Vito, and Kiefer. <laughs> Their first adventure, Hawaiian heat. First caption, we see a beaver hanging out on the Hawaii beach wearing Hawaiian shorts. Ah, nice, crisp, warm Hawaii weather. Good thing Dale thought we needed a vacation, because if dot, 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 but it's disturbed by a scream. Eek, he's got my purse. There's a woman waving. The beaver jumps into action. He's got a boomerang in one hand and what looks like an AK-47 in the other hand. Egad, what's that I hear? A lovely single chick in distress? And the guys and me are the only ones on this beach that can save her. He gets out a walkie-talkie, calling all boomerang beavers. We got some action. Just then, we see the thief. He's on a jet ski. He's got a purse flying from his shoulder, and he's saying, heh, heh, heh. Gone like the wind again. They'll never catch up to me now. Huh? What? Question mark, dot, dot, question mark. And here come the three boomerang beavers. Woo! Beavers assemble. Grab a turbo ski and get after that slime bucket. 
the surf, dot, dot, dot. We see two beavers on their turbo skis. One of them has a boomerang attached to the end of a long lasso. Give him the old lasso trick, Dale. Aye, aye, Captain Kiefer. The thief, though, has a gun. Some days it really pays off to own a gun, especially days when you're being chased by giant psychotic beavers on water vehicles. Blam, blam. Beaver, ha ha, sucker, you missed me, but I, on the other hand, never miss. And so he throws the boomerang at the end of the lasso and it goes around the thief. Flip, flip, flip. They tug, arg, and the thief is pulled off his water ski. Justice is served, we hear. And then a beaver pulls out a large gun and says, and to help him settle down, I prescribe a tranquilizer dart. Sweet dreams, bub. If you want more Boomerang Beavers, I have good news. Even though Kai's comic first appeared in a junior high school newspaper, he went on to create several full-length comic books. And we have a scanned copy of the first one from 1987 up at our website. Grownups read things they wrote as kids.com or follow the link in the show notes on your device right now. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Park Theatre in Winnipeg and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Special thanks to the Winnipeg International Writers Festival. We are headed back to Winnipeg soon, as well as Saskatoon, Regina, Vancouver, and Victoria. For all of the details, visit the website, grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com. That is also where you can listen to past episodes, sign up for our email newsletter, and see photos of all the readers from our Winnipeg show. One more time, that's grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.